The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. We'll have two readings. First one is Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. We'll have that up on the screen. Oops, get that. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And our next reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 17 to 42. When the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors, But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted to him his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. 
day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Morning, y'all. Heavenly Father, we ask that you speak. In your name we pray. Amen. Woo, there we go. There's my voice. So, moved to Texas about six months ago. And I'm slowly but surely learning the lingo down here. In fact, my mom recently said, you use the word y'all a lot more. I'm like, well, when in Rome, just adopt the culture, right? Um, However, that said, there is one word where I'm going to hearken back to the first sermon of this message that y'all Texans use that I don't think that word means what you think it means, right? So came down and heard about this beautiful thing called Lady Bird Lake. And I'm like, awesome. And so I go out, and what do I find? Lady Bird Lake. (laughs) That word doesn't mean, I think, what you think it means, right? So I grew up in Michigan. And we have something called the Great Lakes. Our state is almost completely surrounded by the lakes, right? And so we've got Lake Michigan, we have Lake Huron, we have Lake Erie. And then my family grew up in the Upper Peninsula, and we had a cottage off of Lake Superior, right? Now, let me tell you about this Great Lake, right? Lake Superior is so deep and so large that you could cover the entire North American continent and the entire South American continent with a foot of water, just from the water that's in Lake Superior. It's so large that very rarely does it even freeze over, but it's also in the Upper Peninsula, and so it's always cold. So the water is typically about 50 degrees, 40 to 50 degrees, and it doesn't matter if you are in the dead of winter or if you are in, you know, June, the water just stays cold because it's so deep and so big and so vast, right? So I grew up uh, with a cottage right off Lake Superior, did a ton of swimming, And we were in what was called Middle Island Bay. And Middle Island Bay had an island in the center of it called Middle Island. And when I was about 13, 14, uh, my family actually took a canoe. And we rowed out to Middle Island, and it was awesome. And then I would go back 15, 16, 17, and then I would take my friends, and we would take this nice little canoe, and we'd row out. Then I got to 18, and my best friend Eric came up with me. And Eric was the captain of the swim team, captain of the water bowl team. And he looks out, and I said, we should take the canoe out. And he goes, we should swim out there. And I'm like, huh? Eh, mm-hmm, it's about a third of a mile. And he's like, yeah, we can do it. And not to be upshone by my friend, I'm like, yeah, sure. So we start swimming out there. And we got out there okay. But coming back, the current kept dragging us back towards the island. And I remember I was starting to slow down, and he saw in this look in my eyes, and he goes, Josh, I swear, if I have to drag you back to shore and give you mouth to mouth, and that was enough of a scare, and I'm like, that's not happening. And so just kind of kept on going, kept on going, kept on pushing. And who do we find waiting for us on shore but my grandma? And all of a sudden I realized the most dangerous thing I did had nothing to do with swimming. The most dangerous thing I did had to do with my grandma waiting for me, knowing full well I should not have swam out to Middle Island, right? This idea of doing something dangerous. And as we wrap up our series, Hashtag Blessed, and we're looking at the Beatitudes, what we realize is, huh, this Christianity thing, this following Jesus thing that God calls us to, it's not exactly safe, right? Jesus ends the Beatitudes by saying, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
not sure I want this blessing, right? This is one of those ones that you kind of want to re-gift and be like, can we just pass that one down to the next person? In fact, there's an entire branch of Christianity that says, no, you're blessed when you're healthy and when you're wealthy, and God wants all good things for you. And they just literally glance over this entire section of Scripture. In fact, they glance over Jesus' mission, Jesus' ministry. Because his ministry and mission was marked by persecution. Marked by people falsely accusing him. Marked by people lying about him. And yet, like Leon talked about last week, when we hear this word, the kingdom of heaven, I love the way how he translated it. For theirs is the future. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the future. Because when we talk about what it means to be Christian, when we talk about what God is up to, what we find is God wants to bring his future to the world. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. He was trying to redeem and save the world. He's a plan for the world. But what we find is that in that plan, there's going to be some pain. In that plan, there's going to be some hurt. And we find that even in that pain, even in that hurt, God is working. And we saw that in the reading, right? So the apostles, right after Jesus dies, he comes back to life, and then he says, now go, spread my message. And so they grow up, and they're just teaching. And the religious leaders at that time weren't down for that, right? And so the persecution happens pretty quick. And the high priest and all of his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy against the apostles. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord appeared, opened the doors of the jail, and brought them out. Go, stand into the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. You see the persecution happen, and yet you see, in spite of that, God shows up, and he starts literally opening doors for God's future, God's message, God's agents of change to do something. They didn't let the persecution stop them. The story goes on, and as we're reading through it, again, the priests and the Sadducees and the, the entire religious elite couldn't figure out what to do. And so they're like, oh man, maybe if we just kill him. And I love how Gamaliel, he's a uh, religious rabbi. In fact, to this day, if you were to go into a Jewish synagogue, they quote the man that Scripture is talking about. And he says, you know what? We might want to pause. Because other religious zealots had shown up before, and they would fight. They would literally raise up armies And he says, and time after time after time, it came to nothing. He goes, but if these men are from God, therefore, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, he says. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. And you see this tension, right? And he, as a religious leader, as a Jewish rabbi, is like, you know what? We might want to pause for a moment. Because if this is what God is up to, through jail, through persecution, we're not going to be able to stop it. Now, what's ironic is right after he says this, they're like, okay, fine, but first we're going to flog them. And so then they literally, right after this, get flogged, and they leave, and they're rejoicing, which is weird, right? Like, literally, they just got publicly beaten, publicly shamed. And Scripture says they rejoiced because God considered themselves worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. 
And so as we talk about what it means to be blessed, as we talk about where we're going as a church and what God is doing, what we find is that there's going to be a little bit of pain that comes with this. And pain doesn't mean that God isn't working. It's this myth that happens in Christianity where if we're hurting, we're like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you, God? And yet when we look at the story of Jesus, we see that he actually had his own persecution to the point they killed him. And yet that was even how God was working to change the world, right? So as we as a church go forward, I'm super stoked about where God is taking us, right? God is opening up new partnerships with the police, and with schools, and with neighborhoods. But if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, there's going to be some pain that comes with it. And I'm not saying I am excited about pain, right? But if you look at the church historically, the more comfortable we are, the less we get done, right? So if you look at the history of the church, the times where we had the most political power, the times where we had the most um, physical power, that tends to be where we make the biggest mistakes. Things like the Crusades or the Salem Witch Trials. Right? All of a sudden, we get power and we start using the world's power to do God's will. God wants us to use his power to do his will. Because what's remarkable about this story, right, is that the apostles could have gone to war with the Jewish people, but they don't. In fact, it's remarkable what they don't do. They don't go and say, all right, you know what? We're done with this beating thing. We're done with this jail thing. This is ridiculous. We're going to get a group of people together, and we're going to revolt. They don't do it. In the same way that when Jesus comes back from the dead, and we talked about this last week, right? The remarkable thing was he doesn't say, hey, I conquered death, but those people who killed me, oh, it's go time, right? He doesn't do that. He keeps on saying, peace, peace, peace. He talks about forgiveness. He talks about love. He says, as the Father is sending me, so I am sending you. He says, in the same way that I handled persecution, I handled being betrayed. I want you, my people, my brothers and sisters in faith, to be marked by that same love. And this is something that American Christianity is really struggling with right now because we're at a time where we're losing some of our power, right? We're losing some of our influence, and we're getting tempted to go to war with either culture or other religions or political parties or people groups, right? I remember growing up, we had culture warriors. In fact, I was considered myself a culture warrior, right? The culture was bad. The culture was broken. And so we came up with our own music and we came up with our own uh, events and we had this kind of Christian cultural bubble. And I remember the day when I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm down with this. I love superheroes. And we came out with Bible Man. And I'm like, oh, this was not a good choice. This, 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 whatever this is, I'm not sure if I want any part of this anymore, right? But we're not at war with cultures. We're not at war with religions. Christianity is not at war with Islam or with Judaism or Buddhism. Christianity doesn't have a political party. Jesus isn't Republican. Jesus isn't Democrat. We're not at war with any people groups. Now, mind you, can Satan use all of those things? Absolutely. Sometimes he uses culture. Sometimes he uses other religions. Certainly that pull us away from him. But we're not fighting people. What we find in Scripture is, no, 
Finally, be strong in the Lord, Paul writes, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We find is our real enemy isn't people. Our real enemy is anything that would drive us away from the message of Christ, his gospel. And again, Satan uses all kinds of things to get in the way of that. But as we talk about what kind of war we're in, we don't fight by the world's methods. Romans 12 says, Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. For if it is possible, as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, where we're going I believe this with the bottom of my heart. God is calling us to bring the future to Leander and North Austin and beyond. To bring Christ. And in the same way where everywhere Jesus went, things got better. Everywhere we're going to go, we're going to have that same mark. And yet, I want to do this with eyes wide open. Because when you're following Jesus... When you're in rhythm with God, there's going to be pain. There's going to be some lumps that come along the way. And I don't want to hide from that. I don't want to pretend that, you know what, guys? It's going to be perfect the whole time. No, there is going to be joy. There is going to be laughter. But when we're talking about for theirs is the future, in the same way that Christ was persecuted, in the same way that it wasn't always easy for him, and yet God worked in spite of that, he's going to do the same thing in our lives. And that's where a real power comes from. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, three times I pleaded with God to take away this pain. Three times I pleaded with him, just make this situation better. And he says, and God's response to me was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. I believe we're going to change North Austin. I do. But we're not going to do it by our own power. We're not going to do it by the world's methods. And because of that, it might get a little uncomfortable sometimes. And that's okay. Because what we find is that when we're depending on God's power, we see real change happen. We see real change affected in the lives of people. We see people coming to faith, coming to Christ. We see the wars with other cultures or with other religions start to diminish. But they disappear. The world doesn't know what to do when God moves. It's like a foreign alien entity, and yet what we have is this 800-pound gorilla with us, right? Where do you tell an 800-pound gorilla to sit? Anywhere he wants, right? That's our God. That's who goes with us as we're leaving here. But we go eyes wide open, both in the hope that he's going to do something beautiful, but also with the realization that when it gets hard, it doesn't mean we've done something wrong. It doesn't mean that he stopped loving us or stopped moving. He says, blessed are you because you're still connected to me. Blessed are you because you're still connected to my future. 
Blessed are you because you're still in line with God's plan. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you humbled by a God who was willing to be persecuted to have a relationship with us. Lord, we come before you with integrity of saying, you know what, sometimes we're not okay with persecution. Sometimes we rebel ourselves. Lord, we pray for a God who steps into that gap. Lord, for a God who forgives and brings us into community with each other and community with you. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.